This episode of Cake and Kombucha is brought to you by Gen Z Coffee Shop. Who knew that oats breastfed their young? Welcome to Cake and Kombucha. My name is Kalechi Aza. I'm your host. Cake and Kombucha is a place where we talk about politics, pop culture, what's on the news, what's on my mind. I'm an actress, singer, writer here in New York City. This is a wacky podcast. Get into it. But... We're definitely going to cover some things today that I know people really want to hear, which is Game of Thrones. And then um, I've got some fun bits for you. So let's get into it. It's a little bit of a wild card. Do you guys remember the show Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman? I don't remember it. I mean, I remember the actress Jane... She later went on to make pendants and charms, like everlasting love charms. That's what I remember. But just the title. I think we need to revamp it and make a new show that kind of spells out exactly what's going on and call it Dr. Ben, Dumb Brain Surgeon. If you didn't already know that Gifted Hands was the biggest waste of our time and we could have been reading like R.L. Stein instead in school when they assigned that tripe, Welcome. Ben Carson is trash. He makes no sense. And he's actually harmful. He's not just innocently sitting there being a dawdling fool. But you don't have to take my opinion for it. There's proof. On Tuesday, uh, the House and Urban Development, which is HUD, that's what HUD stands for, since we just go and break down acronyms since I wonder if Ben Carson knows that's what HUD stands for, Um, of which Ben Carson is the secretary. He testified before Maxine Waters for the Financial Services Committee. It didn't go well. I mean, you have to be, you have to come correct before anything that Auntie Maxine is even connected to. So without further adieu, I'm going to play you a clip of this exchange that has now gone viral. As you look it up, I'd also like you to get back to me, if you don't mind, to explain the disparity in REO rates. Do you know what an REO is? An REO? R. No, not an Oreo. An R-E-O. R-E-O. Real estate. What's the O stand for? E-organization. Owned. Real estate owned. That's what happens when a property goes to foreclosure. We call it an R-E-O. And FHA loans have much higher REOs. That is, they go to foreclosure. Okay, I had to stop. I couldn't take her explaining. Like, she's explaining concepts to someone who is in a position of authority over her. Did I say authority? See, look, there I go. Authority over her regarding, like he's going to make decisions about these policies and she has to explain to him what the terms therein mean. It's it's hard for me to listen to. It's hard to understand, really. Um, I just don't know why he thought an Oreo was likely to be the the thing that was being referred to at that moment, I know these congressional hearings can run long and sometimes you may want a snack. As a doctor, I hope that Oreos aren't the snack that he turns to usually. I mean, they're not nutritionally balanced. It's not, you never, no one at Weight Watchers ever said, you know, grab some Oreos in your bag, put them in your purse in case you get hungry before dinner so you don't go out and make poor nutritional decisions. I mean, it's just not, it's not a thing we really do. 
um, just carry around Oreos, bring them up in unrelated conversations. So I, I wish I could say it stopped there, but it didn't. Yes or no? If less left unaddressed, do you believe the substandard public housing conditions pose a risk to tenants' physical, mental, and emotional health? If left unaddressed. Yes or no? Can you ask me some questions yourself? You don't get to dictate what my line of questioning is, reclaiming my time. You're a very smart man. So you understand the question. Please answer it. Yes or no? If left unaddressed, which I believe they are unaddressed because this budget does not reflect the need, do you believe the substandard public housing conditions pose a risk to tenants' physical, mental, and emotional health? Uh, You already know the answer to that. Yes or no? You know the answer. Yes or no? I know the answer. Do you know the answer? Yes or no? Reclaiming my time. You don't get to do that. The time belongs to the gentle lady. Yes or no? Who the fuck are you talking to? This is the culture that we live in now. This is a culture that has been created. When Donald Trump has people ignoring subpoenas and doing a Bartleby the Scrivener and being like, I'd prefer not to go to court today. Mm, Nah. I don't really think it fits into my plans of what I saw myself doing today. I mean, this is where we are. Was she trying to catch him in a question that would belie his lack of integrity? Sure. But you know how to avoid that? You can't at the same time care about people's public health. Meant not people's public health. Care about people's health. Care about creating a public health crisis by having them live in unsafe living conditions or care about homelessness, and yet you are cutting funding and making decisions that would put children out on the street. Uh, so, yes, is, is this a logical, is this a, a tool, a way to lay out an argument, as we sometimes do in court, which is why it's fun to watch? Sure, yeah, but guess what? Like, you, that's where you are right now, you have to answer. And you certainly don't get to reclaim your time, dumbass. Like, you're not the one interrogating anyone. I can't even, I don't even, also, I never knew that he had a lisp like the, like the, the pedophile on a family guy. You already know the answers. I can't even do it. He sounds like a creep. He looks like a fool. He looks like a lemur, actually. Like, his eyes are half closed. I don't know what goes on with people. Are you awake? What kind of drugs? I don't, I don't know. All I know is this. I was actually thinking about this the other day. Like the things that we say are really hard. Rocket science. It's not like it's, it's or it's all Greek to me. So is Greek a really hard language? If someone Greek call in and tell me that. Um, is rocket science like the hardest thing? I feel like astrophysics or something like that might be a little harder conceptually. I don't know. And I'm going to say, we're going to have to take brain surgery off the list. So if you are in the medical community yourself, or if you have friends and family that are, you might have heard the stereotype that surgeons are just dumb jocks. They have to be really strong. They have to be essentially just that they're like not intellectuals. They're just some dudes that like to cut people up and they don't have bedside manner. They're in, they're out, et cetera, et cetera. Orthopedics is supposed to be the worst of that. So With that, maybe we should not look to Benjamin Carson for strength of intellect and mind. Maybe we should look to him for putting together complicated Lego displays, fusing together nerve endings that have come apart, 
um, standing on one leg for a long time. Or poly pocket dioramas, precision work. But I was thinking earlier about how all smart people are also stupid in some ways. I was thinking about myself. So right before I sat down to record, I lit a candle. It's a delicious candle. Thank you, Roger, for this house gift. And I was like, where does candle wax go? Does it melt? Okay, it melts, but does it evaporate? And then, but then I was like, wait, it's flammable? Am I setting it on fire? Like all of this happened in my head and I'm stuck in a feedback loop because the more I think about it, the more I don't know where it goes. Like, like when ice cream melts, it's still there. So where does the wax go? It's melted, but so did I, I burned it up. That's what I'm burning and the particles are in the air. Is that what smells good? I don't know. Oreos. Oreos. Game of Thrones has concluded. After eight seasons and being one of the most watched shows of all time, the season premiere, rather, of this eighth season had 17.4 million viewers, I believe it was. Let me find the statistic. Uh, Yeah, 17.4 million viewers, which is crazy. It's completely crazy. And it's also kind of cool that something unites the world this way. Um, so we will get to that. I mean, what are the aspects of it that I think that are universally like anyone can get into? I mean, just having that many different storylines, large scale adventure, epics. I mean, I didn't know that many people liked fantasy and stuff like that. So I think that's cool. I've, I've said before, and I'll say it again. I, I still could have done with a lot more magic. I was waiting for the white walkers to stomp down on some hose from season one. I remember watching season one. In my like my second apartment in New York, but like really like my second year even in New York City, and I was like, ooh, like zombie undead type deal. When are they coming back? And you know, I had to wait like ten years, but cool, 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 cool. So the finale. This does contain spoilers, by the way. If you haven't watched the finale yet, I don't really know what to tell you. I don't know. Are you saving it for Christmas? like a package that you want to open up. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, there's so many angles to approach this from story, pacing, just, you know, visuals. I don't know where to start. Let's start with boom. A couple housekeeping notes. Don't write petitions about television shows changing the endings of themselves. Don't write petitions about doing shows over. That's weird. Okay, like if you want to read a choose your own adventure book, then you get to do just that. Choose your own adventure. It's very bizarre to be this wrapped up in a television show that you would take your time and go make like a change.org petition for everyone who's not kept up with pop culture, which, hi, I know some of my friends have told me that they don't and that this is where they get it from, which is an enormous responsibility that I'm actually making I hope I'm making the best stuff. I hope I'm I'm doing right by. Um, but yes, people have made petitions saying replace Game of Thrones writer's room with competent writers. Who determines what's competent? I mean, well, if, you know, I can think of some people who are definitely are incompetent, like Ben Carson, who just literally are unfit to do the job that they are doing at that moment. But... Guess what? If they made a TV show and it went on the screen, they're competent. You don't have to like it. 
I just think that's crazy. I'm sorry. It's really crazy. But I, I feel where you're coming from. Like it is emotional when something and characters you've been invested in for a long time, you don't really get to find out what happened to them, some of them, or you you wish it would have gone a different way. Sure. Sure. I get all of that. This is not the way to express that. This is not, that's not the proper outlet for your emotions. Uh, perhaps write your own show. So that said, can you criticize what, what came out? Sure. You can have lots of thoughts and opinions about it, but to petition, do you know all the other, like, I'm not, I don't like to be one of those, what about other causes people, but this one does make me think about the other, like, actually, because if you're the type of person that is active politically and would do petitions to think that you're spending your time on this is disturbing. Okay. Boom. The end. Okay. So a couple of things people have been upset about. Everyone's really upset that Daenerys barbecued um, Westeros. So I don't, I want to, I want to interrogate the word mad as in crazy. Like she was angry to me. She was angry. And that's like the flaw in her character. And that is the part. It's like when parents spank a child, it's like, are you, are you frustrated and pissed off a little bit? Or are you just merely doing it as, uh, as a learning tool, as punishment so that they don't do it again as training? It's usually a mixture of both. And that's why the responsibility of a leader, of a solitary leader, a, a, you know, it's so fraught with problems because how do you separate your ego and your emotions from that? So to me, like, I don't think she went crazy. She was upset. She did it for revenge. They killed her best friend. They have destroyed her family and her whole bloodline. And she's like, I, hey, Memorial Day is coming. It's time for a barbecue. It also made for great television. We never got to see the dragon really just go ham and burn things up before. I mean, a dragon is not just a flying lizard, guys. Like, they're dangerous. Approach carefully, all right? So I didn't think she went insane. I kind of resent the, the dichotomy of, like, it's almost like as a woman to do evil things, you have to be, like, you have to be all the way good and pure or you have to be crazy. I think that they did a fine job of kind of showing what happens to people to when they were there imbued with that much power. When you start giving people a birth lineage myth about themselves to believe, game over. How are you going to critically interrogate any decisions you yourself make if you were told that you came here to save some people? Do you know what I mean? Okay, there's a lot of not bad music happening outside of my window, but I need this car to drive away now. She drank her own Kool-Aid. She believed her own hype, but everyone believes someone's hype when you don't have a democracy, essentially, and you decide to make someone the decider. Um, if you look at how Tyrion, you know, he sacrificed his best friend, he said, because he had to pick a team and he picked the wrong team. He picked the losing team that killed his best friend and then got stabbed. But, you know, you have to, you know that people aren't perfect, but you decide that you are going to stand by them. And I guess like Tyrion said, like if I, as the hand, be an advisor, try to kind of nudge things in the right direction. 
Now, that kind of reminds me of how people elected Donald Trump and these evangelicals said, but, you know, we're going to just pray that, like, God's grace is going to, like, help him make the right decisions and, you know, with grace, his grace and mercy get us through. And that would be almost okay, except now what's happening is we're ignoring the checks and balances of government. So what I'm saying is, if on Memorial Day, he rides on a dragon and burns down all the black and brown communities in the United States, I don't know if I'd be surprised. Just kidding. But yeah, so I, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting portrayal of what happens when with a dictator, but like, I guess kind of like in a, yeah, I guess they're dictators. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So I don't think she went insane. I thought she made a lot of decisions that she could back up with the own logic of her ideology and with a lot of hype that people have been feeding her. I mean, all of their their culture is based on this bloodlines, you know, who's going to take the throne based on genealogy, et cetera, et cetera. So like, boom, she killed some people in a way that seemed wrong. But I mean, perhaps in that era, they didn't have tribunals for war crimes. I mean, it seems like whoever has the throne or the claim at any moment can make up the rules on the spot. So that's how that goes. And I think that was on purpose. Like that's a lot of the themes that the show was interrogating. So I wasn't mad at anything that happened. I didn't think it was a giant betrayal of her character. Like her character had been very into being powerful for a long time. And once you believe that anything you do is, you know, enforced by your bloodline or your birthright, you're going to do what you want to do. And then afterwards be like, this is the right thing. Cause I thought of it in my head, in my little head that has the claim to this throne. I thought this thing. So everybody needs to wear purple on Tuesday. That's what's going to happen. Okay. Boom. To the actual finale. Um, I had some thoughts that I wish, you know, the pacing for me was slow. There was a lot of walking. There was a lot of walking around. It was really important that we knew how many steps it took for each of the characters to get to their respective locations. If there was, if there were Fitbits, the Fitbits would have been maxed out. Um, I could have skipped that. I could have skipped the things like watching Daenerys like stroke the throne. We already know how you feel about the throne. We know you're excited to get there. I just, for me... I'm so like, okay, we have an hour and 20 minutes. What's going to happen? And I'm like that type of person where I'm like, okay, we're running out of time to find out all this stuff. So every time something was just like walking and pensive, I was like, okay, cool. What's next? I felt that way about some of the conversations they had. I mean, Jon Snow, he, he was very confused in the finale about what he should do. And he told us that he didn't, you know, he didn't know whether he was like, fully against Danny at this point or not. And it was just confusing to me because in the last episode, in episode seven, it seemed like from the shots of his face that they showed, I thought he clearly had decided like, okay, this bitch tried it. She's, she went over the edge right now. And, and then you, even before that you saw, you know, him trying to get Grey Worm to stop executing people who had already surrendered. So I thought he'd already made a decision. Um, but we had to have Tyrion convince him and spell everything out. I I could have just, for me, it could have just happened. I, I just could have watched it happen. Like I felt like 
you already could tell he didn't like kissing her anymore. He's like, afterwards, I I felt like it was already there. And so again, I was like, okay, these conversations, conversations. Um, But, you know, they, they let people, they wrap things up. They wrap them up. I really was like, when they killed her so early though, when Danny died in the first 30 minutes, I was like, what's going to happen the rest of the time? That's kind of the like, will they or won't they that we've been toying with? So I kind of wish they waited because for me, the rest of everything was kind of anticlimactic. But that could just be me. I've never been really into who gets to be king or queen. I was kind of hoping that everyone would die. Like I thought it was just a lesson about like not wanting too much power and that the the White Walkers were going to be like, none of y'all know how to act. We're wiping out the earth and starting over again. So I don't know what that says about me, but I wasn't super into it. So let's see. Um, Bran, then he became queen of the Seven Kingdoms. I said what I said. Um, Sansa became prime minister of the North, and she she decided to exit. Um, yeah, that's... I, I, Cersei and Jamie were actually dead. I've been holding out hope because we didn't actually see it happen that... that they were still alive. It was such an interesting decision. Like we're so used to seeing the gruesome deaths on this show and for to, to not see those two main characters to see the rocks fall, but not see them in it. And then have, then we find them in the next episode. Oh, that was just like, okay, it's really over. Mm, All right. I mean, so to go back to the, the way the kingdoms were divided up and everything, I thought it was interesting that everything became united which would seem to be some sort of like, I mean, wasn't that supposed to bring about peace or something? You can totally tweet me, find me on Instagram and remind me because I don't, I'm not one of those people that remembers all the details of something for 10 years. I really don't. Even I'll tell you something is my favorite book and I won't remember the plot of it at all. I'll just remember how it made me feel. So I don't know all the details. I don't remember, but like uniting the seven kingdoms was supposed to be good, right? So isn't it, is it kind of weird that, Sansa decided not to join like what does it mean does that mean you don't trust do you think you're better than the other places you don't I don't think any of that is real freedom like to me freedom would be not having a ruler so like to me the only people at the end that were free were kind of like Arya who's like I'm going to go um dispel all these earth is flat theories I'm going to sail until I fall off the earth and then John, because he was with the wildlings, right, at the end? Like, he's like, and then that was really interesting to me because he's always, he's a main character, but he's been on the fringes of society kind of with being a bastard, going to the Night's Watch, and then to watch him come full circle, almost be king, have the right to be king, and then end up with the wildlings. And kind of, you get that look and you realize that, you know, he's happy, that was deep to me. So I was not mad at that. Um, anyway, that's it. Um, oh, a word to people. We've addressed the viewers who are taking it too far. Now we're going to address the non-viewers. Uh, so to all the people bragging about how they've never watched an episode, congratulations. You lack curiosity, taste, and relevance. Um, this is not about the people who've never bragged, who just didn't get around to watching it. Because I get it's intimidating to miss something than to feel like you're going to catch up. Not You don't always have time for that. But I've seen people bragging online about how saying congratulations to the people who never watched it. You don't succumb to peer pressure. Bitch, what? 
this is the most juvenile reaction I've ever seen to a bunch of people celebrating, discussing, memeing about something like that's art or cultural, like to just be like, nyah, 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 stop it. I don't know what you're talking about. Stop talking about it. No, 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 no. Go sit in the corner. You need a nap. Not everything is a cause. All that you didn't watch the show means is that you didn't watch the show. You don't get you don't get points for not watching. You don't get points for watching it, but you certainly don't get points for not watching it and then trying to turn it into an activist cause. That's strange. Internet privileges. Summer is almost here, and that means it's time for summertime treats like steamed milks with a Y, oat milk cortados, or turmeric. Just turmeric. Just just eat it. It's good. Just spoon it out. We serve all of that and more at your local Gen Z coffee shop, the place where you come to drink some expensive coffee and get nothing done. Whether it's Ariana Grande, show tunes, or ancient deceased hip-hop acts like Biggie Smalls, we'll make sure the music is so loud you literally can't hear your own thoughts. Bliss! We know that New York is small, your apartments are tiny, and you probably wanted someplace else to sit down with the coffee that you spent half of your monthly rent for. But you can't. I mean, you can sit, but that's probably all that's going to happen because your barista is going to make sure that he lives out his fantasy of a Las Vegas DJ residency. In boring generations of yesteryear, coffee shops were places where people sat down to write, think, read. Well, I'm glad we fixed that. It's just the barista show now. And because you're a wage slave heathen, on weekends we have a no laptop policy. Connect with your friends and loved ones. Fuck that job that allows you to afford our $25 croissants. Don't answer those emails. Stunt on them. Yes, queen. Just kidding. You can't hear your friends either. You can only hear the throbbing, throbbing music. The edgier and more eclectic, the better. Our youngest baristas make sure to choose the oldest, oldest, most esoteric song choices to show us how cool they are and how cool you could have been if you had spent your youth correctly. Gen Z coffee shop. Come on. Milk's on us. Milk with a Y. Morehouse's graduating class of 2019 received more than just a diploma when they walked just this weekend. I'm practicing being a local newscaster. Um, That was me just trying to figure out how I can present the information in a way that was informational and cheesy at the same time. So if you haven't heard, billionaire Robert F. Smith, he received an honorary doctorate at Morehouse on Sunday. Um, He had already gifted $1.5 million to the school, but during his remarks, he said that he was going to pay off all the student loans, the entire debt of the class of 2019. That's 400 graduating seniors. Boom. Because he can do it like that. Can you imagine that kind of gift? Can you imagine like he's opened up so many avenues? He's changed the lives of these people. They can leave. They can work jobs that they didn't, you know, they previously couldn't afford internships to help them get ahead that didn't pay like a full living wage, which are those allowed anymore? Yeah, they are. Yeah. They could do that. They can do 
not-for-profit work. They can not have this stress of crushing debt hanging over their head. They can start to have savings and build wealth so early in their lives. It was It's just such an amazing gift. He said, this is my class, and I know my class will pay this forward. I also think just as a symbolic gesture, it's, it is that. It's huge. I mean, these kids are going to forever know that someone who did not know them at all did this for them, right? And if one of them becomes a billionaire one day too, they, they might do the same thing for someone else. Just giving freely is, it's a beautiful thing. He didn't have to do it. He has the means to do it, but he didn't have to do it. And a lot of rich people don't. He's, he's putting a lot of rich people, not to shame, but you know, it's just making you think like, oh, kind of when we talked about the Westminster, not Westminster Abbey, Lord, um, <laughs> Notre Dame, how those French billionaires gave like, the equivalent of $30. And you were like, oh, you're really, really sad. But this is how you show it. Okay. All right. I mean, there's nothing really negative to say here. I mean, someone will always find something, but this is just a great, great thing. It was really cool. It was also interesting to learn about another black billionaire other than Oprah, because this guy, he kind of stays out the spotlight. It's funny because then when I researched him, he was in like many spotlights, but I guess there's just this strong separation between the rich, rich, rich and like A-list celebrities, like having even a hundred million dollars. It's not the same thing as having 5 billion. So where is my information about him that I wanted to share with you? Okay. So he's a technology investor and philanthropist. Well, it's obvious that he's a philanthropist. He started out in chemical engineering and then he became an investment banker. He's the founder uh, chairman and CEO of private equity firm Vista Equity Partners. And he was ranked by Forbes as the 163rd richest person in America. So he is worth $5 billion, I believe I've already said. He went to Columbia Business School. Uh, before that, he went to Cornell as an undergraduate, where he met his first wife, um, a black woman, that he later, 20 years later, 22 years later, divorced and married a white Playboy model the following year after getting divorced. I have nothing to say about whether that does or does not sound like a Kanye West song. I won't. There's no comment. Um, I've heard actually that this Playboy model is a lovely person from like a degree of separation away. So yeah, that's all. You thought you were going to get a hot take. You didn't. (laughs) My only hot take is that I was able to connect this to the Real Housewives. Um, So the Smiths own an 11,622-square-foot mansion in Malibu, California, which they bought in 2015 from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills star Yolanda Hadid for roughly $20 million. Okay, so remember when Yolanda was selling her house? Do you remember her house that had, like, it had clear... The refrigerator was like clear cabinets and everything was organized perfectly. And she was doing the master cleanse at the time, feeling very dizzy, but she interpreted this as spiritual enlightenment. She was just like, I just, I like to go to my garden and, and cut my lemons and Dave, my love, my love. And she was uh, married to David Foster, the songwriter, famous songwriter, illustrious songwriter. And she would call him my love, my sweet. I'm married to the most talented man in the world. And then they unfortunately got divorced. But she sold her house, and this is who bought it. He is who bought it. Robert Smith is who bought it. That's crazy, right? 
I mean, what a world, what a connection. I was wondering who was going to buy that house, like who's just in the market for something like that. And now the home is being rented by Kylie Jenner. Boom. We're playing Kevin Bacon degrees of of connection all around, all around. Boom, boom, boom. Just a bunch of self-made billionaires renting houses to each other, Kylie. Just kidding about the self-made part. All shade. The United Nations has released a very interesting report that suggests that there are negative consequences to having Siri, Alexa, and other AI assistants that are voiced by females. There are negative consequences to having all these voices be default females, and that there are issues therein with their programming, the way they respond to things, et cetera, that can perpetuate harmful gender stereotypes quote, that women are obliging, docile, and eager to please helpers available at the touch of the button or with a blunt voice command. Um, This topic was very interesting to me. And right off the bat, I see pushback even in the way it's being covered. So when I was researching it, I see um, WRAL TechWire wrote, is the female voice behind Apple's Siri sexist? The UN thinks so. That is written to make people angry and be like, liberals hate everything. And blah, blah, blah. like the article does not say that the female voice is sexist. Like that doesn't grammatically, I'm not even sure that makes sense. Can a voice be sexist? It would have to be how the voice is used, et cetera, et cetera. So we already know we're stepping on some tech bros feelings with analyzing these things. But to summarize the findings, um, they basically are finding that, you know, it's a problem that all these voices are female and that you can yell at them and talk to them any kind of way. And they give kind of responses that roll off, um, that brush off these, these things, which is funny if you think about it, because Obviously, someone programmed it to respond this way. So, who, you know, whose world is getting programmed into these AI? Whose viewpoint? Whose perception? That's that's what we've been talking about with a bunch of other AI issues. When I say we, I don't even mean on the podcast. I mean the issues that have been arising with a lot of AI is that things that we perceive to be like neutral because they're a machine are not because a human programmed them. It's That's simply that. So uh, let's see, UNESCO report outlined a number of polite and accepting responses made when people use sexist language. If you tell Siri you're a slut, she says, I'd blush if I could. If you tell Alexa she's a slut, she said, well, thanks for the feedback. Actually, that's kind of funny to me. I mean, that sounds like something I would say. Well, we all have our opinions. <laughs> Your slut is tomorrow's president. I don't know. Um, the re- report says that their passivity, especially in the face of explicit abuse, reinforces sexist tropes. Um, Sainye Golser Korat, UNESCO's director for gender equality, said much greater attention should be paid to how, when, and whether AI technologies are gendered and, crucially, who is gendering them. I agree with that. Um, I think that it's very interesting. I also said something that I found a little bit creepy, which is that apparently if a man says sexual stuff to Siri, then she says, oh, now, now in your language, 
But if a woman does it, she says, that's not nice, or I'm not that kind of personal assistant. All right. We see you, tech. We see you, Silicon Valley. You're threatened by lesbians. You don't want any competition. The ratio of men to women is so not in your favor that you can't handle uh, any more competition. So you decided to program female and female sexuality out of the devices. <laughs> I don't know. That's strange. I didn't know that. And obviously, I guess, like, how would I know that I don't have anything to compare it to? Now, what does it say about me that I made my Siri an Irish man? What does it say? I don't know. I would love to hear her thoughts, but that's who I wanted to be served by. That's why I wanted to ask questions that I easily could find the answer to myself. Um, I just said, I don't, I don't like, I'm, I'm just sick of, okay. Oh, by the way, have, have you guys watched that woman who doesn't sound like Siri who went viral on the Steve Harvey show? for sounding like Siri. She called herself hood Siri, but she didn't sound like Siri at all. Not Siri with a hood inflection. She didn't sound like a robot. She just sounded like someone with a low voice that was speaking in a cadence like this. At the next ride, go here. Then I was lost. I was lost in the sauce. Slost. I was lost. Maybe that's why the Steve Harvey show is getting canceled. I don't know, but it was strange. And I felt like I was in the, tw- thank God for internet comments. You never think you're going to hear anyone say that. Right. But thank God. Cause I thought I was, um, I actually thought I was in an alternate reality until I read the comments and people were like, no, she doesn't sound like Siri at all. Um, so anyway, a lot of interesting conversations to think about. I obviously, I mean, I even, I work like my part-time, not part, it's not even part-time. My day job right now um, is as an executive assistant and I have done so in the past. And a lot of actors and performers, actresses and performers do that, but I can count the male EAs that I've met on one hand. And I don't think I've ever met a male EA that was uh, heterosexual. So what does that mean about who is, I mean, we know historically why women are in, servile positions. I mean, that's, that's obvious, but I think it's very interesting that it's still that way. Like, I think it's interesting. It just goes to show you how like you can create structures in society where, you know, we, we would say that women are equal to men and can do anything that they do now, et cetera, et cetera. But there are certain professions that men know not to even apply to because that's, because it's service. Like, isn't it interesting how like, can you imagine just universally knowing like, nah, that ain't for me. Like assisting someone. Nah, not for me. Like, that's really interesting. Um, I guess I should say I've known more personal assistants that were male, but it always seemed to be like very much the kind of situation where things like being a screenwriter or a director where like you are kind of, it's kind of more of an apprenticeship situation. It's very much acknowledged that you have a goal beyond doing what you're doing. So I would say that I don't see most men being assistants as careers. I guess I would correct that. But yeah, it's a lot to think about in there. I'm sure it's going to ruffle some feathers, but it's really nothing crazy because it's the same conversation um, as who's making the AI. I don't know if you've heard about the self-driving cars that are not programmed to see dark skin, so they hit black people. Sounds like a problem, right? It's just a problem. But if you think about it, why wouldn't it be that way? When makeup industries couldn't figure out how to make shades for darker skin, uh, 
film was designed, the lighting was all designed around light-skinned people. And it's only recently with this new outcrop of black directors that we're seeing black people in dark skin complexions lit so beautifully on the screen. There are just so many things that require thought to be different than the way they are. And we take them for granted. They kind of appear to us, technologies, things we're not involved in the making of, and we kind of take them the way they are. And then we're just, you know, but there comes a point in which you have to untangle them and and look at them and think about them a little bit more. So I hope that all the people at Amazon and Google who read this are surviving. No one's coming for you. Don't cry. But we're we should just probably think about how we program some of these reactions in the future, right? Okay, yikes. This is not a positive story for Wendy Williams and her family. Um, her 18-year-old son, Kevin Hunter Jr., was arrested Wednesday in New Jersey for assaulting his father. Um, in a statement to TMZ, the father, Kevin Hunter Sr., says, I love my son very much. I will not be pursuing this matter legally. Things are not always how they appear. Well, the altercation, I know I didn't say that right. I know, altercation. It was following an argument about the fact that Wendy Williams' husband, ex-husband, Kevin Hunter Sr., is seeking spousal support for the 18-year-old. And it resulted in the father putting the son in a headlock and the son punching him. No, I mean, to me, things are how they appear. You're being trifling, asking this kid's mom for child support when he's 18. And you've also cheated on her publicly for like 90 million years. And now the son is upset. That's what it looks like to me. I don't know. Perhaps I'm missing some nuance here. But to me, it looks like it, it looks like it's probably very close to exactly what I would think it was. It begins to tell In other news, Alabama public television banned an episode of Arthur. Well, it's news to me that Arthur is still on the air. So that was positive. It was all positive. Everyone loves an aardvark that wears glasses and reads a lot. Is that what he did? Didn't he read a lot? And his sister, Molly, would make fun of him. We also, in my day, we really weren't sure exactly what he was. We didn't know what animal he was. So that was like a long, mysterious debate. Like, where in the world is Arthur San Diego? What is he? It was, it was cool. It was a mystery. Everyone loves a mystery. So in this episode of Arthur... Um, Mr. Ratburn, who is a rat that teaches the students, um, Arthur and his friends, uh, they hear him discussing his plans to get married and they assume it's a woman, his bride to be. And it ended up that the woman he was discussing was his sister, who's like, I guess, in the part of the wedding, but he's actually marrying Patrick, an aardvark. So not only was this a same sex relationship, it was interracial. Um, everyone knows that rats and aardvarks can't find love together, especially if they're the same sex though. That's more important. So let's see, what did Alabama say? Um, parents have trusted Alabama public television for more than 50 years to provide children's programs that entertain, educate, and inspire. More importantly, although we strongly encourage parents to watch television with their children, 
and talk about what they've learned afterwards. Parents trust that children can watch APT without their supervision. We also know that children who are younger than the target audience for Arthur can also watch the program. I mean, there's a lot of like, none of that. You just say you hate gay people. Like you don't, like obviously if straight people can get married, if it was okay, you know, to show parents and other married people, then kids know that people are married in the world, right? Kids of all ages know that because they have parents, you show that on TV. So just, just be straightforward that you don't, you don't believe in homosexuality. You don't like gay people. Just say that. Don't talk about like, it's really presumptuous to assume that everyone should know that this is not age appropriate because it was a cartoon showing an aardvark and a rat getting married. Honestly, if I was a kid, I think that would be the more confusing part to me, but that's just the kind of kid I was. Yeah, but for 2019, we're going to have to start having integrity of our word. We're going to have to start having consistency of our logical arguments. You cannot say that you only banned it because of this if you didn't ban other straight weddings, yada, yada, yada. I just don't like, I don't appreciate the subversive nature of pretending that it's this inappropriate, sexually deviant thing. And like, it's not like they showed aardvark vagina penetration or something if 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 aardvarks have vagina what i'm trying to say is that they kind of have assumed there's a monolithic way of thinking in alabama which maybe there is but i just want to know who's in charge of the of the public television station and who's making those decisions i don't think everybody agrees everybody knows who's who's to say that oh Porsche. uh not Portia, um, other Greek goddess. Phaedra, Phaedra. Everybody knows you can't show two odd box getting married. Just who made this unilateral decision? Do they vote on it? Who decides the values for Alabama? And all of those people pick the employees at the Alabama public television station? Those are the kind of questions I that come to me in addition to questions about candle wax. Anyway, we really got to stop projecting our hatred onto our kids and getting upset about stuff for them that they wouldn't even know was an issue unless, you know, you know, you're, you're, they're going to see gay people in the world later. So if we're, if we may, you know, if little personified animals is what helps kids learn stuff, I'm assuming it must be because we just do it all the time. Like, why are there so many shows about talking animals? Like if that's how they make connections with the world, then at least you could just say that you're showing them some stuff they'll encounter in the world. I mean, did you want, would you be happier if it depicted like Mr. Ratburn and Patrick the Aardvark walking down the aisle and the children like spitting and throwing trash at them and shouting, shame, shame, shame. Uh, teach your children to be loving people that accept people or at least aren't rude in their face. You know, like let's start there. Well, that's it for another episode of Cake and Kombucha. A thank you to our sponsor, Gen Z Coffee Shop. And let's let the music take us out. Cake and Kombucha is brought to you by Kalechi Azia, who is the producer, host, and writer of the content. It features music by Melanie J.B. Charles. If you want to know more about Melanie, check her out on Spotify and visit MelanieJBCharles.com to find out about her touring dates in Europe and the United States. Midnight, 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 midnight